It's that time again for one of our listeners' questions. Our Ask the Expert feature is coming up next. The question is, I have 39 employees. I'm located in Atlanta, Georgia. Do I have to provide FMLA? And the answer, the, the real short answer is no, you don't. And the little bit longer explanation is Family Medical Leave Act is federal applies to employers who have 50 or more employees in the U.S. anywhere. So if you have a total of 50 or more, now you're a covered employer. But even then, your employees may not get that 12 weeks of job protection that the law offers unless they hit all these other criteria. And that's where you would want to dig down. How long did they work for me? Where do they work? How many people do I have in the area? But if you're under 50, FMLA doesn't apply at all. So follow-up question that there's been a ton of speculation on. If you have 100 part-time employees, you fall under FMLA? Yes. You do. I remember this when the Healthcare Act, Obamacare came out, people were like, I'm just going to hire more part-time people or whatever. But then they were like, if I owned four pest control companies, one was 100%, the other was 30, then those all come and fall under that. So like you said, Laurie, you could dig so far down into it and you yeah. need to as a company to find out what you can do and that's why you have inspection yeah because those laws they, they can be challenging for us like i gave a very solid answer there 100 people yeah and then i was like but why so i was looking it up as we were talking and fmla you mentioned obamacare that's different rules so every one of these laws these mandates whether it's a state or a federal you got to dig into it each time and you got to look at the situation for who am I applying this to sometimes? Because you might have five people who work for you who get FMLA job protection and then five more that don't because they just don't have all the qualifications right now. They didn't work for you long enough. So navigating all of these things are a huge challenge. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for a true small business. Right. You know, small business in the United States is considered 50 million and under, but I'm just talking about anybody 10 million and under in my opinion, trying to navigate all this stuff is insanity. And even at 10 million, maybe you can afford an in-house HR team of two or three, maybe, depending on what your margins are and whatnot. But it just gets crazy trying to navigate it all. It really does. When I first started a business, the first thing that I said I was doing was getting a payroll company because I'm not going to the bank. I'm not trying to figure out payroll taxes. And the other piece that I'm learning over time is I'd rather spend money to get it done than spend my time to potentially get it done wrong. Because that potentially done wrong, not only did you lose your time, which is valuable, truthfully, you could put a dollar amount on my time. But now what fines did I open myself up to trying to save money doing it myself? Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. We're going to revisit one of our most downloaded episodes. Get the foundation right with this one and let us know what you think. Send us an email at colonyconfidential.com or send us a DM on social media. Okay, listen, enjoy this episode. On today's episode of Colony Confidential, listen to what it's really like dating a PMP and how rats and champagne are involved what IPM is all about, and hear us talk about how to implement IPM into your small business and make money. So what is IPM? Integrated Pest Management. Uh, everybody has different definitions. Some states, I think most states have defined it. So everybody's definition is different. 
pathways. He, so here's Colony's general policy on integrated pest management, IPM. The eradication and prevention of vermin through non-chemical methods when possible. Non-chemical methods will always be considered prior to any application of pesticides. When the use of pesticides is deemed necessary, the least toxic pesticide possible will be applied. This policy will limit any potential exposure to employees, vendors, visitors, and others who enter the facility. The determination of the toxicity and exposure potential with any application of pesticide is necessary to ensure that the least toxic and lowest impact alternative is implemented. So our procedure is coordinated efforts as followed. First, regular inspections to identify the pests and the source of infestation. Second, we control any infestation with the following short-term solutions. Mechanical controls, physical controls, biological controls, chemical pesticides only as a last resort. Third, through the use of engineering maintenance, sanitation methods, and education, we will reduce or eliminate the cause of any infestation. These methods are long-term solutions. So that's just the very beginning of our four-page IPM policy. But basically, integrated pest management is, is a coordinated effort with you and your, your client where you're doing everything possible. It's uh, for us at Colony, we're surveying your property and every property is different and we're coming up with an integrated pest management plan for your property uh, showing you potential entry points for every pest uh, putting proactive measures in place uh, true IPM for a lot of the green people out there would say that when use of rodenticides you would use non-toxic rodenticides just bait true bait on the exterior buildings as you're monitoring um, efforts so it's inspection monitoring proper identification and then your plan of action on how to add Sheehan's favorite word suppress the pest and I would say even in now that now that we've suppressed the pest IPM doesn't end because you have to have periodic inspections checking your glue boards whatever you have down to see if there's any activity and in the ideal IPM you would know that a mouse, a rat, or a roach, or whatever, is on that property before the owner would. I, I would agree with that. And nowadays, from a lot of you listening with all of these programs out there, if you're barcoding and scanning and checking devices, from a management standpoint, you as the owner, or if you have managers, or even office staff, can go in, and if it's set up properly, you can do a trend report Almost like how, with all of that, you can really track it and then get down to potentially where the source is. That's what you're getting now, right? Yeah, but if you're old school or you have a limited budget, you just start now, whatever, and you don't want to get, you know, you don't have the money to get fancy with, the, with these um, computer-generated reports, what I would suggest is you still do reports and you do them on whatever cell phone you have and... True IPM, you could show up on a, on a, on a, in an account, and you don't use any pesticide. You walk around. You take notes. There's, no, there's no, um, no roaches on your glue boards. There's no rat feces. Everything looks good. You make a report. And remember when I started this, people say, what did you do? I didn't see you do anything. I used my brain. 
My most lethal weapon in pest control is my brain. It's funny because we uh, the reports, I remember the reports. I remember uh, me and my father, I was 15 or younger, and he was writing down in his pad, and then I'd see him typing with his two fingers because that's it. <laughs> There's only two fucking fingers to type with on like a brother word processor. And then I remember like in the mid 90s when they graduated to computers, but they were still faxing shit. Like this is how fucking old school it was. Um, and nowadays, 90% of my field techs do what he he used to do. They'll write up the report on their phone. We don't allow them to send it directly to the customer because we have the office checked for grammatical. But there's pictures attached with arrows to the exact spot. I mean, like they're very detailed, but it's why we are going where we're going and we're in the places we're in. But our techs, we train them to do that, which which we explain to them what true IPM is. This is what it is. This is what you do more so than apply that pesticide. You help the customer realize where they're, you know, where you're in a restaurant at three in the morning, what's not being clean. And the funny thing about it, and this is true all the way back to when I was servicing hospital kitchens at night for my father, they either love you or they fucking hate you. <laughs> So let me tell you about the value of these reports. Old tell school. Tell us about the value, Ed. Old school, if you will. We had a hospital in Brooklyn, and the housekeeper there was a lazy psych of shit, and we kept giving them these facts-generated reports. And he never did shit. And, of course, he got fired. And new manager comes on. Why am I seeing these roaches? I go, well, you, you know, the guy before you didn't do anything. Like what? I called my office and told him, facts over the last six months of reports we made to this hospital. This new manager obviously had his shit together. He said, okay, I'll have these things cleared up in two or three hours. Can you come back? Two or three hours. This other fucker didn't do shit in six months. Okay. Came back. He was good to his word. All of a sudden, problem went away. Within a week, problem went away. That manager has led us onto more accounts because of those low-tech faxes. Now, you know, I'm not you're saying taking that, it the wrong fucking way. It's not low-tech faxes. It's just funny how far we've come. And oh, the truth okay. of the matter is, is that that at the time you were ahead of the curve, and you we always have been as Sheehan's ahead of the curve. Uh, to a certain extent, or at the very least looking for the curve to get on it or go with it. So when IPM first was introduced, you absolutely were probably the first person to jump on it. And, and everyone gives you credit for it. And it's funny because we are Green Shield certified. We have a Green Shield certified service. And every year they ask this question and it makes me laugh. When did you implement IPM? And my, I always write Inception, and the guys, and the, the guy, the first time I wrote, was like, "What do you mean Inception?" I'm like, "Bro, I've been doing IPM since I'm fucking seven years old." He was like, "No," I'm like, "Yes, seven, eight. When I was out with my father, we weren't really being shown. Yeah, we used the B and G and everything like that, but we weren't really being shown fucking how to kill shit." Uh, which is probably the easiest part of this is killing once you find where the bugs are or the rats are or whatever it is, killing them is the easy part. But we were shown how to really fucking tackle a problem and get rid of it from, I mean, you could say birth, but definitely the first time a B&G was put in our hands was five. And from then on, I guess when you saw that we were 
old enough to understand. It was the, okay, well, this is what we're really doing with the reports. I, you had a fucking <laughs> pilot in like fucking 1988. It was fun. We were like, what the fuck is it? It was like analog. It was hilarious. But just, so, so the fact, it's just funny to see how business works today with emails. My average emails a day is between 125 and 175 emails. And just to think about the, you had 22 guys working for you and you're doing all these reports and faxing them. And the, the, what I'm saying, the amount of time now, everybody is, get it to me, get it to me, get it to me. And back then, how long were they waiting? Because if you spent 12 hours in the field, you weren't necessarily going home and typing it up and faxing it. It was happening the next day. These people nowadays would fucking go crazy. Like some of them, I mean, you remember when we first started, you salesman that he is, we're going into big places and he's like, yeah, we, we write these things up on a Blackberry and we send it to you before we leave. Which was true at the time because it was me yeah, then they and had him. To, they had to cut it out because my grandma wasn't correct. No, the truth <laughs> of the matter is, is it's an unrealistic model to sustain. That's fine. You know, That's at fine. That, but at that point, it was me, you, and like a f one full-time guy. And you, you were just doing quality assurance stuff. I was running a full route. Really, I was running two routes. The fuck, the routes I used to do, two guys do now. But um, so it was unrealistic to sustain now with 17 people. It's just unrealistic to sustain that you're gonna get it right away. And and some people say, I don't care about the grammar, just send me what it is. But then those same people are like, for your tech don't know how to spell. <laughs> so it's just like, so we stopped doing it. We stopped letting the techs do it. Only certain people from our organization can send emails to the customer and that's probably how it should be. But the, the thing is I'm saying, it was high tech at the time, but what I'm talking about is the difference in today from back then, because you would, we're doing the same exact thing, but now for us, it's definitely more on demand and more of the industry norm. Back then, it, I mean, you got every hospital back then because no one was doing that. First, when I, when I first heard about this IPM, first thing, in, oh, fuck, more work, what the fuck? And then, you know, I just looked at it, I'm saying, you know, we solved the problem, but it always comes back. So it's, if, as, I, as I rationalized this in my brain, I could solve the problem, and if it did come back, it would be very minor, and a customer would never see it. So as it evolved, um, I had been doing something similar to this before they coined it IPM. If we took over your account, we did a survey. Uh, and we would turn it into you, all the crap we found and, you know, and we would say, these, we would call it hotspots. So what I found out, instead of going around, say, and doing six floors, we could do five of those floors relatively quickly. There's no problem. We would check our, our, our glue boards and stuff, but there always seemed to be that one floor, one area, that it was a constant problem. And as we dug into the problem, we found out that if we sealed the cracks and crevices, they didn't have a place to live. We aggravated people that worked there. We got a, who the f are you? No problem. Who's the supervisor? If the supervisor said, who the f are you? As we went up the chain, things started to change because the upper echelon understood like, wow, not only, not only is this guy a good exterminator, but he's showing us where our people are screwing up, where our people are not performing up to what they should be. So we were, in effect, 
becoming an inspector uh, for them, not just for the roaches, but for whatever. Say it was the kitchen. Your staff is leaving early. Some guy's got all the time cards. He's punching everybody's time cards out. Why isn't the kitchen clean? Well, maybe if they stayed that extra half an hour, it might get clean. Now the kitchen staff wants to kill you, but the kitchen gets cleaned up. That's my, so that's what I wanted. Um, it's certainly safer for people and the environment. Uh, and I've been in this business 50 years, and I could tell you that pest control has become a lot more responsible, a lot, and I, I you know, they tell you you can't use the word safer. But I feel a lot safer when I'm going around using a gel than when I was running around with a tank spraying Bagon. Um, so the, the truth the, of the matter is, though, the, the chemicals nowadays, uh, if you wear the proper PP and everything, it, we had this conversation the other day with, uh, we have a safety consultant now, and she was asking a whole bunch of questions, and not, I don't even think there's a chemical in our storeroom that doesn't say caution we don't have any right. warning or dangers so the levels they're just it's just low levels but then again what i remember back in the day everybody wanted something that didn't smell i remember we got this deodorant that made the stuff smell like roses and the first comment i got now it smells like a funeral parlor well in fact it is i'm gonna kill the roaches the perception of the public in the beginning when you come in with these gels what is this and you have to allow time to explain to them how this is going to work. Well, speaking of the baits, when they first came out, I would go around at night periodically and, and check, and you could always find roaches by the dishwasher machines, whether it was a hospital, a kitchen, whatever, because they leak. Every, I'd never seen a dishwasher machine that didn't leak. And I remember I'm going around one night, and I can't find a roach in these dishwasher machines. And I panicked, my little friends are gonna be gone because of this stuff? Fortunately, that wasn't the case. But um, the gels worked very well. Uh, they, there was a bit of a problem, I think late 90s, uh, where they became bait, they, they became, um, they averted the baits. And the manufacturer changed the formulation and we're back on, we're back on, um, on the beam again. But um, you have to explain to people that the, and your employees, like if you use a disc, that bait in there is good for a year. If you don't check that periodically and the roaches eat all the bait, that disc becomes a cockroach condominium because the roaches will move inside. It's nice and tight. It's warm. They have a fireplace. I'm joking. Cockroach but condominium. I wonder if we could coin that phrase. Um, they, I wonder what the HOA fees are in there. The the in, in any event, they move in there. It's nice and tight. You know, roaches like a nice tight spot. They feel safe. So you have to check these. Even though they're good for a year, you still got to check them. And then if you're using the gel, the mistake that a lot of guys make is they, they use the gel like you're using a cork, like you just put a line. Not the case. It, 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 it doesn't work as well as if you put a dab here, a dab there. Also, when you're using the bait, I always like to say I'm no longer an exterminator, I'm a caterer. Why do I say that? Because I gotta put that stuff where the roaches hibernate, where they're gonna congregate. And that's usually in corners, underneath the sink. Roaches don't hibernate. Okay, where they hang just out. For the just for the record. Okay, fine. Congregate so is good. 
You put it in their temple or their church or the shul or the mosque. <laughs> I got you. Fine. Anyway, um, you get the drift. You got to put it where they're going to find it, where caterers. And, and, and the, the, the effects that we got with that gel were dramatic. Scary, actually. Look for our new business, Colony Confidential Catering, coming soon. <laughs> and we had this large complex. We had, a, we had killed a ton of rats. And as I'm going around the place, I'm, I'm not finding droppings except in some areas. And I'm thinking I can't find any nests. I don't find any burrows. What the hell's going on here? And I look across the street. I see a park. I didn't think much of it. So one night I'm sitting there, 12, 1 o'clock at night. I hear these rats coming across the street. They're coming from the park. Aha, uh -huh, the park. I go over to the park, and I notice that several, we call them homeless people. In those days, they were bums. There's food all over, and they like they got shocked. I scared them. <laughs> Who are you? Some exterminator. Oh, there's rats all over this place. Thank you. Anyway, I didn't have the contract to this. I think I broke the law. Some tough shit. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Anyway, it was 2,000 years ago. And um, I, I, had a confidential, well, conf I had a conversation with the king of the bums. I told him, listen, I give you guys 100 bucks a week. I'm going to show up here. I don't want to see any of this shit, and you got to do this. And these bums, they became straight people temporarily. They cleaned that freaking place up, and we did suppress, use jello, <laughs> and we kicked the shit out of the rats over there. And the other thing we did, there was a gentleman who worked in this, not with the bums, he, he worked in the compound we were supposed to protect from rats and we gave him six have a heart traps and every time he caught a rat in a have a heart trap he would call us we'd come and pick it up and take it away and he got the sum of five dollars five dollars a rat five dollars a rat every time so if he caught two rats he got 10 bucks three rats whatever this is something that's not in the playbook probably nothing you've ever read but use your most valuable tool your mind and expand the project. You got to, yeah, yeah, and you got to go there at night, and you got to put time in. Well, isn't it, didn't you figure out the old candy factory at like three in the morning, drunk on your way home in a limo? Oh, no, no, that wasn't the candy factory. That was uh, another building. They no, it had, was the ex candy factory, wasn't it? Or it wasn't the it, the street. It was, but they had they had made it into a to a, a commercial building. And in that building, <laughs> I remember vividly, you had people from Internal Revenue. And I'd look on their chalkboard and I'd see this gentleman. That Allegedly. They, that they were looking at who made $50,000 a year. And in that year, his wife had purchased a 500 Mercedes. He had gotten a BMW and they had bought a 50-foot boat. There was a big red star next to this guy. Wherever he is now, whatever he had to pay, I don't know. But anyway, we've, you know, we're finding rats around a dumpster, but they're not in the building. So I was out on a date and had a limo, and I told the guy, pull in here. What are you doing? So we're drinking champagne in the back of the limo, 
and I see out of the corner of my eye, the building across the street had a cement column, and the cement column was surrounded by tin, colored tin, make it look nicer. And the truck had backed into this tin and caused it to lift up, and the rat came out of that tin. And that's how I solved the problem. Went back and next day and, and addressed the problem and solved it. So if you... You were on a date. Oh, yeah, I was on a date. I had a very uh, understanding uh, lady <laughs> <laughs> who understood this is what I do. I was on the way home, and um, no, you know, look, very understanding woman, and this is how I fed my family, took care of the family, took care of myself, had nice things. And From an owner's perspective, though, I would hope this is true in any business as an entrepreneur and an owner. When you can double dip, when you're out doing something nearby somewhere that you work and it's an off hour time, you tend to be like, let's walk this way because I want to see this facility. And since we're out drinking, uh, let's walk by there. Let's see what's going on. The one thing there's never enough of is time. So if you're out partying and you could take a little side trip to Never Neverland and so solve a problem, that saves you the next day having to go drive back to that place. And, and yeah, I got it. I got it now. And there's nothing, to me anyway, when you're out on a stop and the guy you usually deal with turns around and turns some, tells somebody else, this guy's really good. And I remember a, a gentleman, his name was Terry, um one of the best guys I ever worked for. Told you the problem, told you to solve it, and paid the bill. Uh, I think this was a guy that didn't suffer fools too readily. But anyway, I had a meeting with him, and I told him, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And somebody that was at the meeting said, oh, he paid you a high compliment. I go, yeah, what'd he say? There's a guy really likes and knows his fucking job. So, you know, you really you start to feel good when people are starting to recognize, yes, you are just an exterminator, but actually you're more as an owner, you're an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, you generate more money than all the big businesses in this country. You employ more people, and you deal in something called real cash. And as an owner, you should be proud of that. You're living the American dream. And the only way you keep that dream going is you gotta, you got to put in time, and there is not enough time. So time management becomes very important. If you're on a date and you can stop by a stop, it's late at night, and the problem is rats, not a bad idea. Champagne. It's also good to get uh, the date uh, ready for the rest of by the, time the you rest of your relationship. Listen, by the time you're taking your date out in a limo to a nice show, your relationship is pretty well established. And if they don't want to go for it, then maybe they shouldn't be your date. Kick them out at the account. Yeah, kick them out on <laughs> by the Bowery. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, IPM in a nutshell. There you go. Dates, champagne, rats, dead. We're good. I think everybody should be doing IPM um, just from a standpoint of, from a business standpoint, it will make your business better. Yeah, so I think if you're first starting out, you're obviously not going to send, um, if you're first starting out, you're probably doing a lot of private homes, maybe a grocery store here and there. So we're not going to generate a written report to these people, uh, particularly in the homes. What I started doing was uh, we took them around and showed them 
this would help if you did that, and this could help about that. We told them about, like for instance, you have flock paper on your shelves. Flock paper has glue underneath it. The roaches get under it, they love to eat the glue and they're in there. Get rid of the flock paper. We had them put down uh, aluminum, aluminum foil, Reynolds wrap, whatever. And you could easily clean that cabinet, just pick, pick up the foil and um, replace it when it got dirty. Also, we found that roaches, and this is very unscientific, just my observation, roaches didn't like walking on a tin foil. It makes noise. Maybe they felt somebody was chasing them. They didn't, they didn't, there was no glue for them to eat. So it was just another way of getting rid of one of their harborage areas. And people said, wow, this, this guy, it's my house, it's my cave, which is sacred to that person, and you have to treat it that way. This guy's really taken an interest. The other guy just came and sprayed and didn't do anything. Um, maybe I pulled out the refrigerator and I found a lot of clutter behind the refrigerator and showed that to them. The other guy never did that. So you're going out the extra mile, even though it's just a house. In a private home, too, you have Pri to private home. tread lightly on how you, you got. You can't say, well, wow, what a shithole. When do you clean this? You don't do that. You just say, oh, this would help be helpful. You never know who lives in that house. Maybe the guy's a manager of a big uh, factory. Now he's going to talk to somebody there like, wow, you know, this guy in my house is really good. So it's going to lead. It will. It has. It did for me lead to other accounts. Now, as far as the grocery store goes, good luck. Um, well, they have to buy into your program. It's, and that's it's the hard, whole thing. It's hard for, to do that because... They're looking at the bottom line, and you can point it out. Some of them will do it. No, nobody ever does it 100%. They'll try some stuff. Um, but at least you're making the verbal reports to them. The other thing with the reports also, and if you uh, remember when uh, Ed was talking about the new, the new person in the hospital came in and he had his office fax everything over, you have those reports. So when they say you're not doing your job, you have these IPM reports to back you up. But another thing that I want to talk about is starting out with IPM and really in business in general. As you start to set your company policy, and we all know this as a small startup, um, it's all in your head. Just get it on paper and tweak it. Every Look at it every so often. Get, get an IPM policy on paper, how you want it to work, uh, you know, Use industry experts, use your manufacturers, your distributors, whoever you know to ask questions. Everybody knows about online groups and whatnot. These are the places to get that, but get it on paper so that everyone in your company has this document to look at. We, we at Colony are actually in the process of putting all of our treatment processes on paper. Uh, all of our technicians are gonna be tested on them. Um, and I really wish I, as I was growing, not that I had the time to do it, but I wish I started it 10, we're 15 years in business, at least 10, 12 years ago. I wish I had it back then. It would have made my hiring and training process that much better. Instead of me just telling you what to do and after a month or six weeks of training, me thinking you have it, to have something on paper, which we're going to have now, is, just, is tremendous help. So I'll start with your IPM policy, and then when you're out, use the text to talk. Uh, or to talk to text, whatever it's called, and start to tweak it. And as you grow, this will be the policies, and you'll you'll change them from time. We look at our IPM policy on a minimum 
quarterly basis just to see wording, what's new, what's going on, how we feel. But you you keep changing things as the industry grows. And that's the main thing is to con- educating your customers, but also staying educated. Don't be one of these people that's just a credit person where your license needs 12 credits every year. And that's the only stuff you go to. If you want to grow and be good on both ends, IPM wise and business wise, you got to what do you have to do? You have to attend those types of seminars. Well, that's another episode of Colony Confidential. I'm sure you learned some stuff. And I'm looking forward, or we're looking forward, to some of your input. You can send your comments to colonyconfidential at gmail.com. That's colonyconfidential at gmail.com. You heard from us. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Until our next episode, take care and God bless.